from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Sister Miriam James Heidland, a sister of the Society of Our Lady, the Most Holy Trinity, a missionary community serving global areas of deepest apostolic need. In our next segment, we'll visit with her. But before we get to that, let's find out what's on Bishop's mind. I'm looking forward to talking with Sister. She's on fire wherever she goes. She's something that spirit is alive in her. And thinking of fire, uh, you know, this past Monday's Feast of St. Matthew and uh, the great apostolic apostle and evangelist in that way. And many of us are looking forward to the, the final edition, the final chapter. When I was in Rome for the uh, limited visit, I happened to just cross paths with Father Simeon, or otherwise known as Erasmus Levi-Meyer-Caucus. We just were there at the North American College, and he was waiting on somebody, and we recognized each other from his uh, visit to the Trappistine Sisters in Northeast Iowa. But that very uh, much beloved uh, commentary on Matthew's Gospel, Fire of Mercy, Heart of the World, and we've been waiting for that fourth volume where he concludes Matthew's gospel. And uh, he, he confided in me and saying, you know, he'd kind of hit the wall writing and kind of saying, you know, what, you know, why am I doing this? And, you know, is this really, you know, meaningful to anyone? And, and I think it was just a, a grace there for me to be one of many. I said, oh, we've been waiting, you know, kind of for the delivery of the, this baby, if you will, mm-hmm. of the last version. And mm-hmm. uh, so he did uh, share that he has finished it and uh, is looking forward to it. He's someone we'd love to bring to Des Moines to maybe be part of Christ our life in, a, in the next edition, two years from now, when God willing, we're well beyond the uh, pandemic and we can be uh, free to associate without some of the, uh, uh, the concerns and measures that we adopt in that way. Padre Pio's memorial this past Wednesday, too. Uh, we know uh, folks in Southwest Iowa and Omaha were, had the opportunity to rev- venerate the relics of mm-hmm. the Padre Pio, the, the great saint, the mystic and stigmatist in that way. He was mm-hmm. at Corpus Christi Parish a, a week ago, the kind of beginning that octave mm-hmm. celebration. So we're, we're grateful for that. Here at Iowa Catholic Radio, we're a little bit sad to, to bid farewell to Executive Director Tony Calumet. Uh, he and his wife Carla will be heading to Alaska as he's taking a position as general manager at KNOM in Nome, Alaska. I've never been there. Uh, I, you know, you know, I know it's a beautiful place that many people want to go, but uh, very different than Iowa. So we're a little concerned that Tony might uh, lose some of his tan up in the Great White North here. I don't know. <laughs> So, so, you know, I mean, that, that part of that, that aura, that little, yeah, yeah. yeah, please, please no, no tanning so long. But the, the, you know, his, his own spirit and his uh, gift of uh, kind of bringing us, uh, you know, and the voice giving witness in this region and his own faith in that. And so he steps out in faith to, to take this new position. And I think it's an exciting opportunity for him. As we arrive here uh, today, a couple days shy of my own first anniversary as installation ordination, what a year it's been and uh, so many things. And I'm not going to get nostalgic here, but uh, how grateful I am to the people of the diocese for continuing to receive me, to accompany me, pray for me as they do in the Mass in so many ways. And uh, I was just kind of talking about the power of those prayers. I was talking to Emeritus Bishop Sharon not long ago, and he was speaking about how when people are mentioning your name and, you know, kind of awakening school children to that fact, uh, you know, you can't maybe apply a, a kind of metric to this, but we just know that those prayers, you know, for the responsibilities that uh, are far beyond, you know, Bishop Malesic I had as a guest last week, mm-hmm. and, you know, that we bishops are, are they're simply men, just like the mm-hmm. first apostles were. 
but because God chooses us and endows us in, in the prayers of the body. So one of the ways I'd like to kind of anoint the body and give thanks is simply as I came to be aware down at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Carlisle, uh, there's St. Vincent de Paul conference down there. Mm-hmm. And my anniversary is the Feast of St. Vincent de Paul. I have an annual uh, Friends of the Poor, Run and Walk, Friends of the Poor. And uh, I, you know, run, walk, why, why not biking, you know? So <laughs> so I've decided that I'm going to ride a couple 50 milers. And if people want to sponsor me at 10 cents, 25 cents or so, uh, you can do the math on what that would be. But this will go to the St. Vincent de Paul conference in, in Carlisle and, and help out the needs of the poor that they're touching in that particular area. So if you are so moved, you can send it to me, Bishop William Johnson, 601 Grand, 50309. Just put St. Vincent cycling and we'll put that pledge to that cause it's a great idea we're going to take a quick break and we return we'll welcome sister miriam listen making it personal with bishop johnson on iowa catholic radio and spirit catholic radio network thank you blessment international for their support of iowa catholic radio everyone lives their life 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year how we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmanInternational.org. That's BlessmanInternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Sister Miriam James Heidlin, a sister of the Society of Our Lady, the Most Holy Trinity, a missionary community serving global areas of deepest apostolic need. We're going to talk to her about her upbringing, vocation call, and what she plans to talk about as one of the keynote speakers at this weekend's Christ Our Life Conference in downtown Des Moines. Good morning, Sister Miriam. It's good to have you, Sister Miriam James. And uh, uh, just uh you know, I, I imagine uh, COVID. Maybe you're a, you're a noted speaker in many uh, prominent venues with Catholics gathering and other Christians and people of goodwill. I think you were at the National Catholic Youth Conference at uh, Lucas mm-hmm. Oil Stadium, and so that's uh, obviously an electric environment. And, and being in that uh, central stage, uh, Wells Fargo Arena. I think uh, with our mitigation measures, we may not have as many bodies in the seats, but we hope it's the same spirit that's uh, energizing us. And you're going to be part of that with your your mm-hmm. Saturday night talk and witness that you give to us. So so. Mm-hmm. Here you are, a, a Christian Catholic a religious sister, and and all that. Uh, how did you know? How did this all get started with your family? Well, thank you for having me on your show. I'm just delighted to be with all of you. And I am. We were chatting a bit before, and I'm delighted to be in person with you all very soon. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a wonderful thing. One of the first events I recently did was actually at a college campus at Texas A and M, and it's just. Just this, I'm like, oh, there's real people in a real audience. It's not virtual. <laughs> if you can, I totally get that. But if you can, it's, it's wonderful. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it. I, so when you, know, you when, up, when you do a Zoom meeting and you have a beach in the background or some kind oh of idyllic scene, it's not projected, right? Because you're in Corpus <laughs> Christi, right? It's actually real. <laughs> I Well, you know what? I wish. I actually live in a very rural part of Corpus. It's actually in the middle of cotton fields. So we just have the cotton harvest. So there's huge, like, cotton bales of cotton in the background. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very good. So yeah. So <laughs> is that part of the commu- community's job? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you know what? It's a small world because my mother, my mom, the good German family that they they are. They actually, my mom grew up in the area that I live in now. And my mom, when my mom was a little girl, they literally picked the cotton and on the same property that I live on now. I mean, you talk mm-hmm. about a small world and the That's providence crazy. of God. Wow. Yeah, it's just that's, shocking. That's but everyone's like, oh, I know all about that. I mean, obviously, technology has progressed a lot. But when they were kids, that's what they did for the summer. And the South Texas was pick cotton. So it was hard. <laughs> that's right. There were a number of German communities in that part of Texas, weren't there? Mm-hmm. They really settled. Yes. And, you know, it was, it was founded by a German family. And my mom actually spoke German at home. That English was her second language. So it was an interesting life, you know? Wow. Some similarities to my only dad, except his was in the Bronx. There were no cotton fields. <laughs> <at the time>. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I, we're, we digress. <laughs> Your family okay. background. Yeah, we can talk about that. That's fine. Here we are. It's real life. Yeah. <laughs> It's called making it personal, so there you That's have right. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your mother cotton, but then met your dad, and uh, then yes. started unfolding there. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so my dad is also from South Texas, and not he's a city boy, not a cotton, not a, literally a cotton picker. And uh, <laughs> but when I was a little girl, we moved out to, to Washington State in the rainy Pacific Northwest. So. I grew up with the seasons and coffee and flannel shirts, and that's what we do out in the Pacific Northwest. And my father passed away many years ago, but my mom still lives out there. And I had just the distinct pleasure of visiting her a few weeks ago out out there, so it was really lovely. Okay. All right. She didn't get caught up in any of the protests or other things going on at that time. So No, no. It's very, very serious, actually. She lives north of Portland, Oregon, and about three hours south of Seattle. So, yeah, it was just really too bad because we usually would go to Portland at least once or twice and go out to lunch or something, and that was not happening, unfortunately. So, um, But, yeah, she's just she lives out in the country there, and, you know, she's very solid Catholic herself and, and just such a witness of a life poured out for Christ, which is, Really, you know, one of the reasons why I'm a religious sister today was the sacrifice and fasting of my mother, and the other was the profound witness of a Catholic priest that God sent into my life. And so, really, aside from Jesus Christ himself, the, the priesthood is the deepest love of my life, so I really enjoy doing healing retreats for priests and things like that, because I really feel like that's ground zero of restoration in the Church, because if the father is sick, if the bridegroom is sick, the Church is going to be sick. So how can we heal our priests so they know who they are, so they can give the gift to themselves and lead us closer to Christ? Amen, amen, and I think you know you're right, and I think the evil one recognizes this too, and wants to attack mm-hmm. priests in so many ways, oh, on gosh, the spiritual yes. and other levels. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think you know we talk about morale that we're all you know people under the pandemic cloud, if you will. But uh, mm-hmm. I think you know the vulnerabilities of, of priests and you know the spiritual means that they have to enlist, and so that someone like you would not only uh, be praying for priests, but to, to give witness and to lead them into that mystery of Christ's love even more. But that wasn't something that was just automatic for you, right? You had to kind to come to discover that love and mm-hmm. even though you grew up in a very catholic uh, household it wasn't just automatic that you, you encountered christ in that way that had to ha- happen in different ways can you speak a little bit about that sure yeah no i grew up yes i grew up catholic we went to mass every sunday we prayed you know rosary together as a family i have an older brother as well so it's just my mom and my dad and my brother and i um but you know i had never i had never fallen in love with christ i learned you know some what i consider the rules of catholicism and in our house, you know, Christianity, honestly, was a bit more fear-based. So, you know, you don't do this because you're going to go to hell. And which we talk about hell as a reality. But ultimately, like the call of Christ and the restoration of the human heart and love is, is, is his deepest desire for us. Like his, our sin hurts him. Our sin hurts him because it breaks us. And so he's desiring to bring us into communion. But I didn't know any of that. And so I played Division One volleyball in college, and I wanted to work for ESPN and kind of had this plan for my life. And that's the, the path that I was pursuing in college. 
but I also had kind of a competing narrative, which all of us do in our life. I, I just this other hidden place in my life that I hadn't told anybody about, and I was an addict, and I had a lot of trauma and a lot of un, um, just things that I'd never told anybody. So those those narratives actually collided, and, and I'm so glad they did. And it was really through the, the intervention of this priest, this, the, I really know that God sent this priest into my life, to, who really just looked at me, and I, he'd been a priest a long time, and he was the first person I'd ever met that was so absolutely sold out for Jesus Christ. I mean, this man loved Christ, and he was not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but I could doubt a lot of things in my life, but I could not doubt the power of Christ in his life. I just, it was it was tangible. It was, you know, palpable in his presence. And I remember being 21 years old, you know, senior in college, looking at him and just saying, Father, I don't know what you've got. Like, I don't know what that is, but I want that. And he just smiled at me and he said, come and see. <laughs> come <laughs> see right? And that changed my life. Just, like that, the power of his life lived well, changed the course of my entire destiny. And that is why to this day, the rest of my dying days on this, or this earth until I pass away, I will always speak about the power of personal witness because the most powerful gospel you and I will ever preach is how we live our daily life. And people notice that. And so, you know, is my life any different than anybody else's? And if I believe in Christ, and if Christ is my life, not a hobby, or not a political savior, not an ideology, if Christ is my life, then I will live differently, and people will notice. Oh, that's uh, mm-hmm. amen. Powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. You you move so quickly through so much right there. You don't mind if I maybe uh, go back and oh, open please, up please. one or two mm-hmm. things, you know, and that uh, they were there. So uh, athletics and, you know, obviously uh, D1 uh, university and volleyball and mm-hmm. all that. You know, do you think that uh, sports kind of became the religion for a while? And, you know, it sounds like you didn't have a kind of powerful high school tech or Kairos experience in any way where you really, for many of us, kind of re- re-energizes that relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus in a way. So sports and athletics. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And the beautiful thing, though, was my mother would never allow to totally eclipse God. She would always march me off to Mass. It was very funny, like when I was in high school, and I was actually benched a couple times by my coaches because they were so irritated, but my mother would say, my, my daughter's not missing Mass. So she would pull me out of the game, <laughs> and she would take me to Mass, and I was mortified, of course. I was absolutely mortified, but I never forgot that. Even when I went to college and, you know, fell away from the church, and I didn't go to Mass or anything like that, you know, for just regularly by any means. Um, but that I never forgot that. And so today when I talk, to, I love sports. It is, I, I talk about sports all the time because it's such a great tool for understanding the excellence of the human person, which is a peril to the spiritual life. However, it has become a God for all of us. Like I, I, I love college football. I love the NFL, but maybe maybe it's a bad thing that it's been thwarted a bit because so many people worship it and it's, it's not our God. Um, but yeah, no, I had never had a powerful retreat experience or anything like that until God sent that Catholic priest into my life. And it was a very slow conversion but I'm like, oh, okay, like Christ is real. Like this, these things matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and and with you, you know, a great appreciation for sports and at a much more mm-hmm. modest level, you know, fortunate to participate at one point. But, uh, you know, that, uh, and as I ministered to college students and teaching in, in other ways for some 18 years, you know, so many of them were, were faith-filled young people, but there were also those for whom, you know, as you said, it became, you know, the, the whole kind of consuming passion and, and pursuit. Mm-hmm. And, and even how some athletes related to their own bodies, you know, women and men, yeah. but that the mm-hmm. body became kind of, you know, they, they had dominion over it. They kind of had possession and treated it as it will with, with uh, less than reverence, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they became kind of an object for them. And, you know, play, practice hard, play hard party hard, you know, and, yeah. you know, even at the ends of the seasons, uh, it was not a majority, but there was a, a segment that, 
you know, then it became a kind of rock star, porn star week, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of this bacchanalia yes. orgy that happened, mm-hmm. you know, as they kind of let mm-hmm. themselves go. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like you, you, whether you went there or not, you kind of knew something mm-hmm. of that culture. Oh, oh, definitely. Yes, definitely. And I just have firsthand experience of just the living of that kind of life where it's what it's never going to give us what we're looking for. And, you know, that's just, it's such a distortion of the, just the sacredness of the human person and the beauty of being human, the beauty of being fully alive. And I think one of the other transition points in my life was a deep study of Pope John Paul II's theology of the body, of Mm -hmm. what it means to be, you know, male and female, Mm -hmm. and just understanding the the gift of of we are, who we are as a body and a soul, that gift of who we are, and just the revelation of, of the sacredness of the person and what we truly desire. And just working, you know, being, I've been in my religious community 22 years now and just being on such a road, a deep, serious road of recovery and restoration and, you know, speaking across the nation. I speak to thousands of people every year and hearing so many stories, hearing so many stories of everybody from college students to priests to, to bishops to, you know, doctors to homeschooling moms. You know, every single person, every single person wants to know that they are loved unconditionally and that their sins can be forgiven and that their life matters. It's, that's the ache of the heart for communion and restoration and intimacy and being seen and known and loved and giving our lives for something that matters. That's the deepest desire of the human soul. And we'll, we're never going to find it anywhere else other than Christ. Yeah. And that's, that's where wisdom lies is coming to that recognition, discovering that yeah. priest was obviously a catalyst for that, for you, mm-hmm. uh, exposing your own heart at that time too. But you parallel that saying, you know, that maybe most of us have to kind of have that path where we, we go away, you know, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, you know, explicit or maybe it's just something in our own way. And maybe that moment where like the prodigal son, you know, we wake up and come to our senses, you know, and mm-hmm. have that moment where I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want to be here anymore and that, that that god doesn't just leave us adrift but that there there's somebody there who's the that person who draws us back draws us back mm-hmm. to to the heart mm-hmm. of love and embraces us like the the father that did in that uh, parable as well uh you know but you know moving through that and and religious life i mean i'm not going to say that you know at that particular point you were a hot mess but you know you, <laughs> you know there was a lot oh, of, was, a lot of need yeah. for healing and everything else yeah. and yet religious life comes into the picture i mean mm-hmm. how did that go with the community they'd say well first we need to minister to you before yeah. we look at you as someone who's among us as one who's mm-hmm. pursuing the same path can you speak to that Yes, I actually had a witness of a wonderful religious sister. Um, her name is Sister Anne Marie Walsh, and she's actually in Iowa. We have a mission in Iowa near Carroll, Iowa, and she's there. And she was very instrumental in my healing process. My colleague Kelly, Mr. College, is she's from that soil, so that's yes, uh, yeah. close to close to where we are. So, and Sorry. yes, and Sister Anne Marie is so wonderful, and she was really somebody who. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that I was so ignorant to my own issues. I think, I mean, honestly, thank God the church has, like, come along in the last 22 years, because I don't know if they would receive me today. <laughs> They'd be like, girl, you need some help. But, you know, just, just, I'm like, I slept in. I always say, that, like, I slept in because I was so, I just, I had no idea. And, like, all these, uh, many of these things were uncovered as I went along. And Sister Anne was just so wonderful and, you know, finally helping me open up my story and to see that the things that happened to me when I was younger were still profoundly affecting me to this day. And And what I loved, like, what I love about, the restoration of it, say even the parable of, of the prodigal son, the good father, is that it isn't just once. I hope I come to my senses every day, honestly, <laughs> and where areas where I'm self-reliant or judgmental or self-righteous or areas where I'm hiding or I'm in shame or isolation, where 
I come to my senses every day and the father comes to pursue me every day because that's what he does. And I, if it's nothing of this COVID lesson for me, what it's taught me is that there, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a nun, I'm saying it because I believe it. There is no other way forward than Jesus himself. There, there is no, there is no other way forward than personal intimacy with Christ every day and a continual conversion every single day of allowing Jesus to bring all these parts of us into communion. And so it is a daily, and I'm so grateful that I'm still on the journey bishop. I'm grateful that I'm grateful that I haven't arrived. I'm grateful that I still make mistakes and I get up and I'm saying, I'm sorry, and that I can learn how to love and to respect people and to heal hearts. And I'm so grateful. I can't even tell you how grateful I am. And, uh, and when we end that gratitude, you know, the, the spirit doing that and your docility, that docility that we're all to have each day, you know, that our, our eye, our ego is going to be punctured and that uh, mm-hmm. exposed and our own vulnerabilities and that we can't fear that. But uh, mm-hmm. that that's good news. And if God's going to use the light within to shine, some of this is going to come to the surface as well. But that's where mm-hmm. just as for Paul, you know, in our weakness and how that uh, appears. Uh, we're about a minute away from a break, and maybe if you're willing to stay with us a little bit, but uh, did you find that 20 years of religious life, that this is kind of a new season for you? You're not the, the young, hip sister, <laughs> if you will, but you're not old either. You're, so, you, know, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, but do you find a, a new chapter of who you are and your identity and relationship with Jesus and the church and, and your own mm-hmm. vocation? That's a lovely question. Yes. I, yes, I am not young anymore. And, uh, and I, it's beautiful. But you're not old. Just, I'm not old. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> just as a quick aside, my mom, my when I was with my mom, she just turned 78 and she was looking in the mirror while I was home with her. She's like, honey, I'm almost 80. That's almost old. And I'm like, oh, mom, you'll never be old. Like, oh, great. So, yeah, so, no, definitely. I think there are things, as you, as you know very well, that come. Just come with age. And Sister, I'm going to break place. in and just oh, say sure, we're sure. ready to go for the break here okay. very shortly. But uh, you've got us hooked now. And so <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to come back, our listeners in, in uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin and Iowa. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making a Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmentinternational.org. That's blessmentinternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. We're back with Sister Sister James. Miriam <laughs> James. So uh, you were telling us about kind of the new season of your vocation mm-hmm. as a religious life, mm-hmm. and uh, your mother's a great uh, witness to that, uh, the, the perpetual youth that she exhibits. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. Yeah, and I, I, I think there are just some things that come with, you know, just growing as a human person and in wisdom and age and certain things that, you know, as, as you both know, that you just learn along the way. And I'm grateful. Like, I don't, you know, when I started speaking, you know, over, gosh, probably 15 years ago, I used to speak predominantly to teens and to confirmation classes and things like that. 
And just as I've grown as a person and as the Lord has put me in different parts of his vineyard, now I speak predominantly healing conferences and to priests and to, um, you know, women's conferences and things like that, where it's just the, the vineyard has changed. And I, I'm just, yeah, I am just grateful just to continue to learn and to allow the Lord to do the deep work in my own soul. And then he, you know, can transmit, you know, his love through my heart. So, yeah, it's grateful. There's so many good, beautiful blessings and milestones along our journey as we continue with Christ. It's a great adventure that never ends. Yeah, indeed. And that kind of evolving uh, way in which the Spirit guides us, blowing where it wills, uh, we want to be part of that. Obviously, your community has recognized you. If I understand correctly, your director of your community's apostolic novitiate, which is a, a position of great responsibility working with younger mm-hmm. vocations. We think of St. Therese, even though she was rather precocious in her own way, being given that job of looking over novices. So uh, your community affirms that you have that charism in a particular way and the wisdom that is needed and the understanding of the human person. Person. Can you speak about that aspect of your your uh, your work? Sure. Actually, you know, I'm not the director anymore. I was actually the director in my late 20s, and oh, I was director okay. for eight. I know. Yes. So you were more like Saint Therese, all right? <laughs> I, I was. I'm like I, I don't recommend that to anybody. Uh, so no, it was it was really it was a great experience, and I was director of novices for eight years, and then that but that was been quite some time ago. But yes, that is a tremendous responsibility of of forming hearts and, and now the, the sisters that I formed, they are now in charge and it's so wonderful to see them loving so well and welcoming women into the world. Because as you know, you know, men and women discerning the priesthood and religious life today, these are men and women who want to live the gospel totally. They're not going to quote unquote, give up everything in the world to live a watered down version of something that's, you know, secular. They want to give wholeheartedly. And so they're facing tremendous challenges with social media, with addiction, with, broken families. I mean, they're facing challenges you and I never had to face like in the way that they do. And there are so many of them that are coming and it is incredibly beautiful. I really believe it's John Paul II that this is, it's a dawning of a new springtime in the church and the church is alive and the young church of people coming to become priests and religious sisters. And that, you know, opening up that, that, you know, inherent core desire to give ourselves away to something worth dying yes. for laying our whole life down and that uh, women and men have that uh, regard and how you awaken that not only in your talks, but your your media appearances, your podcasts, and all that's there. So may God continue to anoint that. Now this is your first time coming, uh, maybe not, maybe perhaps to Des Moines, but first time to the Christ Our Life conference, uh, and on mm-hmm. Saturday night it's going to be my first Christ Our Life conference. Yay! And yeah, so I really look forward to being present with you, whether we have masks or not. You know, social distancing yes. and all the other yeah. provisions that are necessary for that too. And then uh, following your talk at that evening, eventually we'll have the Eucharistic exposition and procession and benediction. So mm-hmm. kind of crowning you. Know, uh, your beloved is present, but uh, how yes. you will give witness to that. So any mm-hmm. uh, any uh, things that we should uh, make accommodation for or make sure we have ready for you when you come? Um, probably a lot of tissues. <laughs> I think the <laughs> Lord is going to bring us into a deep encounter. And that really, and I, I, I really honestly mean this, my, my deepest desire whenever I speak to a crowd of people is I, I want them to encounter Jesus. I, I want them to walk away having the Lord speak to them in, in areas of their heart, maybe that he's been trying to speak to them, that he wasn't able to before, that people know that Christ spoke to them. And so I really am going to talk about Christ our life. Like, if, if that's true, then what, what does that mean? And just to invite people into some deep places of their heart where Jesus can tangibly speak to them and heal them. And that is my desire for my time with all of you. 
May God uh, anoint that desire, and uh, Christ Our Life starts tomorrow morning as this, uh, this show airs, and tomorrow morning early on, and uh, I'm going to be out there greeting people just to kind of mm. you know, see and kind of, you know, a little minister of hospitality prior to the rosary and all that we're about. So thank you very much, Sister Miriam James. This thank has been, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.